What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, just as we all expected, the Buffalo Sabres are undefeated and atop the NHL standings at 2-0. Do you have cup fever, Taylor? I have some kind of fever. <laughs> How, what what do you have to out? make of this, Taylor? As we had said unbelievably the Sabres are 2-0 and not exactly like they're going up against you know Tampa Bay or anything like that but a win against Montreal who admittedly was playing had played the night before and then they come back and beat the Arizona Coyotes back-to-back wins Don Granado has them playing a pretty exciting up-tempo style of hockey and granted even though it's not against the cream of the crop of the league they look pretty good so what do you make of this start for the Sabres well I'm, I'm happy about it um I think both games, they thoroughly outplayed their opponent. And like you said, these aren't great opponents. I think Montreal is the worst um, cup is going to have. Well, not, I don't know what kind of season they're going to have, but talent wise, they're the worst cup runner up uh, next season. Oh, there's got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> what the hell am I saying? <laughs> reigning conference champion. They're the worst reigning conference champion since either Edmonton in 07 or the North Stars, who are the worst of all time in. 91, 92. So they're not good and they don't have Weber or Price at the moment or maybe ever again. Uh, but, you know, it's good to beat bad teams, which is f- funny to say because we're the Sabres finished last last year and they're in the Stanley Cup. Uh, and I think they're better than the Sabres. But, you know, it was it was tremendous. I had to watch it on a replay, but they looked great. And the Arizona game, that's a bad team. That's actually a bad team. And it, I think most of the projections – the models people have had uh, them as last in the West and us last in the East, which still might be true, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they're obviously not a very good or talented team. And unfortunately we didn't see Carter Hutton in action. He had a, an adventurous opening night to say the least against Columbus, but yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. Like pretty much everyone played well. I don't off the top of my head. I don't really have any complaints about any players, even Cody Eakin. I don't have any complaints about Cody Eakin amazingly Cody Eakin well yeah let's let's talk about some of the guys who have really stood out and I think that it's only appropriate that we start off with Rasmus Dahlin who has looked rejuvenated to say the least these first two games what a turnaround it's been looking at him just and how he's carried himself on the ice he has one assist through two games but there was just several plays over the weekend between the two games where those just head turning moments where you had to double take and just like, did this guy really just do this? Um, and, and that came in the form of both Deeks, but also he had a couple of stellar breakout plays from his own zone where he maintained a level of patience and poise with the puck with pressure on him. And it was able to skate the puck up out of his own zone and into the attacking zone through the neutral zone. I mean, it was, it was vintage Darlene. It was the stuff that we had saw his rookie year that made us all get so excited about him. And I think a lot of that comes back to him playing with confidence because at the end of the day, I mean, with how just purely talented he is when he's playing as confident as he has been, he is the best player on the ice and he knows it. And that was, I felt like the case against Arizona, especially what, what have you made a Darlene start so far? So Darlene, um, we all know like how last year started. It was bad, very bad. And the year before actually wasn't very good either. Those are both obviously under Kruger and he looked good in the second half of last year, 
but his defense still left a lot to be desired. And maybe he's not going to end up being a, a great guy in his own end. But I pretty much agree with everything you said. Like he looks confident and you're starting to see the, the skating and stick skills that got him like the, you know, the attention and he, he had as a, uh, as a prospect. Well, I mean, people refer to him as defenseman McDavid. He's not been that, but like you're, you're starting to see like why he could be a guy that could be like a 60 point defenseman, 70 point defenseman. If he consistently plays like that, because he just has unbelievable skill. He, I, I, I've never cheered for a Sabres defenseman with this kind of skill. I mean, I guess the closest would be Brian Campbell, but he was kind of a late bloomer. Agreed. So I'm, I'm happy. This It's only two games, but the start has been fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to look forward to with him. And I think really the main thing at this point is, you know, he's gotten off to a good start, which is important. But now what's probably even more important is maintaining it and seeing if he's able to keep up this level of play to the point where down the stretch, it's going to lead to him continuing to accumulate points. Um, speaking of guys who have stood out and have been impressive, I mean, what more can you say about this leadership group for the Sabres and Kyle Opozo and Zemgis Gergensen's and their start? Opozo, I mean, this is the best he's looked in probably what, like three, four years at least? Again, only two games, but he's yeah. playing like a man who shaved a couple years off and is looking a lot faster, a lot more agile, a lot quicker. He's tenacious in the offensive zone. His forechecking was really strong. I mean, that entire line, as you had mentioned, Eakin hasn't even looked terrible, but him, Gergensen's and, and Eakin, I mean, their forecheck has been strong. They've been generating chances. Um, Opposo, of course, scoring in the, in the opener too. I mean, it, it's remarkable to see and it feels like a lot of it just comes from them both just embracing this new role for them this you know opposer would warn an a before but he's the guy now you know him and gergensen's are the guy when it comes to looking like the young guy is looking for leadership in the room and so what what do you make of this i mean it feels like it's going to be unsustainable right like this can't continue but at the same time i'm just trying to enjoy it in the moment so what do we have to make of this taylor can opozo and gergensen's keep this up well, there's no reason they can't have solid years. So Gergensen specifically, uh, he was out all of last year. Obviously, he didn't play a hockey game for, what is it, like 21 months, basically? Or maybe not that many. Maybe 19 months? More than a year and a half. Yeah. He didn't play a single hockey game. But when he was on the 2019-20 Sabres, he was a valuable member of the log line. He was decent. Like, he did his job. He was a good fourth liner. They, they took on tough minutes. He's good in his own zone. He's not a good finisher. He's like a minus minus finisher. Obviously it's that much has been clear after this time, but he plays hard and he's not an easy guy to play against on, on either end of the ice. So I actually think I didn't come into the year thinking we weren't going to get a lot from Gergensen's unless his injury uh, was still going to affect him or having so much time off was going to impact him in a negative way. But yeah, so I'm not too surprised with him, although I like what I see. Uh, Oposo, yeah, I'm very surprised. I mean, last year he was also hurt, uh, and when he came back, he looked worse than he ever had. He looked bad enough that we were thinking about me and you, not the actual Sabres, were thinking maybe they should buy him out. Well, luckily he's looked quite quite improved. He looked much better in the second half of last year. He started to look more like a guy who was also a valuable member of the log line in 2019-20. And, but yeah, it's it's interesting because it's an, for him it's an aging thing. Gergensen's is still. Uh, 26 or 27. Oposo's in his 30s. Uh, 
he obviously has uh, aged poorly for multiple reasons. As a as a saber, his contract has not uh, not been great. But yeah, it's, I maybe 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 Oposo could have a strong year. Maybe there's some kind of bounce back. Maybe something in his life changed. Who knows? Maybe what his approach mean? changed. Well, so an example I think of is Chris Paul. Like it's easy to forget now, but like NBA Chris Paul for people who don't watch basketball, he was like the best point guard in the world for a while. And he started to get to his thirties and he was still good, but he was getting hurt every year and Houston didn't want him. They traded him like they traded picks plus to get rid of him and to swap him for Westbrook. And then all of a sudden he gets to Oklahoma city, his first year there, he doesn't have some big injury. I mean, obviously the COVID break happened, but he made them significantly better. And then it looked crazy that someone would trade West, you know, trade him and picks to get Westbrook. And then he goes to Phoenix this year. And I don't need to explain that they made the finals and he was incredible the entire playoffs. And I, people chalk that up to a him changing his approach in the offseason, how he handled himself, his nutrition, how he worked out, different things like that, working with trainers and, and medical professionals to see how, like how he could stay healthy or be more ready and have a different process. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, opposed to that. I have no idea, but I think there's things like that that can, that can not really defy an aging curve, but maybe make it less of a steep curve. Interesting. And so I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about that from Oposo, but I guess that's possible. Uh, he, he seems like a really valuable guy to have around, but, and I think what he has two years left now on his deal. Yeah. So that's okay. So they won't be up against the cap at any point. So he's really not a liability in terms of having him, you know, have a, I think $6 million salary. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't really, uh, I'm, I guess like, I also, I should say that I kind of don't mind their idea of having two co-cap, not co-captains, two co-alternate captains. I think that's fine, honestly. Me too. I, I was a little iffy about it at first. I didn't really know how I felt. You know, I, I honestly thought that they would have at least named somebody else, but I think now it really does make sense. And I think that the players and team just as, as a whole have really embraced that leadership style at least that's how it feels. I mean, you know, just hearing like post-game interviews and whatnot and the way that Granado talks about them and the way that they are leading the room and, and helping these young guys, you know, kind of weather the storm. And I, I think a lot of it just goes back to, you know, what we've been all talking about the past couple of weeks, just in that there's not a lot of pressure right now at this team, you know, as compared to past years, there's no pressure to win. It's the pressure to be the best version of yourself, not the pressure for, you know, logging wins and losses so I think that having two guys like that who you know have been here for a while clearly you know they they like being here in Gergensen's and Opozo um also coinciding you know both a little bit overpaid but they both like being here and you know they really want to be a part of the solution here and I think that you know, while for the most part, listening to Kevin Adams talk about guys who want to be here is like a load of crap, because in reality, like winning makes people want to be here. You have two guys in Gergensen's and Opozo who actually really do seemingly kind of fit the mold for what they're looking for in that. And so it makes a lot of sense to put these guys as your, your co-captains, so to speak, um, because they embody the kind of attitude that you're trying to instill in these younger guys, even if it does, you know, maybe to us sound kind of like a load of crap, which again, I still to think to an extent it is, but either way, 
I, I couldn't be happier for these two guys. And I, I would really be happy if, you know, they're able to sustain this and continue this. And speaking of veteran presence on the team, another guy that I wanted to at least bring up and get your thoughts on Taylor is Mark Pesek, because I thought I I've thought in both games, he has just looked so steady. He hasn't done anything that's jumped off the screen at you, or if you're in person, like jumped out at you, but just such a rock solid defensive defenseman who just really doesn't seem to make mistakes and knows how to clean up after other people's messes too, especially in his own zone. Just uh, the word that just comes to me when watching him is just responsible. Like when he has the puck on a stick, he makes the responsible play. He doesn't try to do anything crazy with it. And most of the time, it ends up being the right play. And on top of that too, he's really, really good with position positioning, like really strong, like off the puck positioning too, when he's in his own zone. Um, so I, I just think again, like that's another guy that, you know, not even taking into like the, the leadership side of side of things, but just more of a leading by your actions type of player that they brought in with him. And I think even though, again, you know, Pesek doesn't do it. And we've known this about him. He's not a guy that's going to be putting up like numbers on the score sheet or anything like that, but he has just been as advertised, just rock solid defensive defenseman. And I think that's looking like a really, really solid signing for them. What, what have you made of Pesek's play so far in the early start of the season? Well, he's, he's basically how we left him. Like, five years ago. I mean, as, as soon as he was getting up in NHL games, he looked apart. In fact, that's one of the main uh, tank moves of the 2014, 15 season was not having him in the NHL and having like Tyson Strachan and other losers like that up instead, because Pesic was too good to play on a team that was trying not to win. Yeah. I regretted trading him. Obviously I, as soon as it happened, I was not happy about it. And I'm, I basically also agree with everything you said about Pesic. He's steady, steady as they go. You know, he's, He's not a guy that will get a lot of points or like me really even have a huge offensive impact, but in his own zone, he's just incredibly good. Like, and I think the reason he's an analytics starling is because he doesn't really make mistakes in his own zone. And although he's not going to make crazy passes or get power play time or score goals on his own, except for that time he had a hat trick, he has a, he has a way of making sure you don't have to play defense. And that's the thing about playing defense in hockey the best way to play defense is to not play defense, to not have to, because you're playing offense. And he's a guy that aids in that by really, no matter who he's playing against, making it difficult on them when they're in the zone and starting to break out, out the other way, which, hey, and it's working with Hag right now, who a lot of people didn't have a lot of faith in. Hey, if it were, if they, if they can I mean, make I that pairing work. Being two of them. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. But if they can make that pairing work, what, what I mean... And Darlene looks the way he does. You have a decent defense. I think that leads me to a point I wanted to make if, if we do that, if we Let's want to do, do that now. So this has been, I'm late on this, obviously, because it's been a couple of weeks. But there was, when the uh, lineup happened, I, I said this, I think, on the last podcast, but not exactly the same. People looked at this projected lineup that, admittedly, it's not good. It'll, they'll be one of the worst teams in the league still. And said, this is worse than the tank team. Multiple people made this argument. And people also had the, the I mean, when I say tank team, I mean, 2014, 15, that was the only year they tanked 13, 14. They got bad the old fashioned way. Same with 17, 18 and last year. So the, the tank year, 2014, 15, that opening night lineup versus this one. And when you look at it, you can look at it and go like, 
oh yeah, that's just a bunch of guys. I wouldn't, that's not a team I would want for both of them. But if you, when you get, get into the nitty gritty with the players, the difference is a lot of those guys didn't belong anywhere near the NHL or even like at that point, they shouldn't have like Mazzaro's was an NHL player. And then he wasn't still on the Sabres though. He was in the NHL. And then I don't think he ever played again. Benoit, uh, Tori Mitchell, Nick Delorier, just a ton of guys like that. Like I said earlier, Tyson Strachan, frankly, Rasmus Ristolainen at that point, I know we didn't particularly like him years later even, but oof, he was taking on 20 minutes a game, 20 plus minutes, number one defenseman minutes for uh, a guy who was, I don't think he was even 20 yet, or maybe he was exactly 20. Zadorov played too much considering he was also 20. Tyler Myers and who they ended up trading halfway through that year, uh, disappointing guy. Like so many guys in that team shouldn't have been in the NHL anymore. And that's not really the case with this team. Like even though Eakins looked better, I don't love the idea of him being in the lineup. Uh, Hag, who knows? Tage has looked better, actually. Maybe we should talk Your about boy. Tage. Your boy. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, but Tate like Thompson. But, yeah. Besides that, though, these guys are all NHL players. Like Asplund's look better. Bjork. All those guys are like, like, I think Chad said that they have three lines, three third lines and a fourth line as their forwards. And then depending on what Darlene, um is, they might just have six just regular steady defensemen varying skill levels but none of them none of them are terrible none of them are all-stars I mean, again we'll see with hag i don't know yet that's just really not that bad and then you have goaltending i mean goaltending is the main thing how much can you rely on tokarski the big question uh i think anderson you can rely on a little bit but how many games is he going to play he's like 40 so anyway what i wanted to get to get around to is we need to put a little bit more respect or the opposite of respect on this tank team this tank team needed immense luck to get to 54 points 54. If this team has the amount of luck that the tank team had, they'll clear 80. They'll be in the low 80s. Mm-hmm. So they'll be nowhere near the playoffs, but they won't be good, and, but they'll be significantly better. That team had an unbelievable, a 13-game stretch of having 105 PDO. That roster, that roster did. They went 10-3, and three, and then they think they won 14 other games the entire season in the rest of the other 69 games. Historically bad. Yeah, like, and they were like, when I say they were lucky, it's because they were taking 36% of the shot attempts on the ice. They had their expected goals, I think, were like 38%. These are numbers no one else has touched. Even the 2013-14 Sabres, even last year Sabres, even the 2017-18 Sabres, no one in the era where these things have been measured, which is about 15 years now, has come close to touching those. It's unbelievable. I, I don't think that there's any comparison either. I think that you, you hit the nail on the head there that – that's really the best analogy for it is like these guys would hit 80 points if they had even like half the luck that that team had with that 13 game stretch. And yeah, there's a difference between a bunch of guys who are trying to really cement themselves in the NHL who are young and, you know, they may not be the cream of the crop of, uh, of talent in the league, but they all at least have a place in the league. Yeah. Whereas compared to the 14, 15 team, I mean, come on more than 50% of that team did not belong in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's really any, any debate for it. And, you know, while I obviously do not think that this level of play is going to be sustainable. And I think that they may get off to a nice start because their strength of schedule is a little bit on the weaker side to begin the season. But, you know, a few months from now, things aren't going to be looking great in terms of, again, wins and losses, but 
it won't be to that extent where they're going to be scratching and you know clawing their way to get to above 60 points like i think that they should easily be able to clear that yeah and i i would say too like even before this season i guess in even still there's still this opera there's possibility that they have 54 points or fewer like colorado a couple years ago had 40 something detroit if the covid season was a full season two years ago they would have they wouldn't have cracked 54 obviously the, the year prior the Sabres had 52 points so like it's possible. Like, that's not the worst team ever in terms of wins and losses, but I kind of already touched on that. Like, obviously they were lucky to get there. This team could have theoretically, if goaltending was bad enough done that. I don't think that's very likely, but it just, I thought a lot of the criticisms were weird because the end of the season last year, they ended at like nine, 11 and two, I think in their last 22 games. And a lot of that was with bad goaltending, like all was in some of those games, but not all of them. There's a lot of Tokarski and, Hutton and Hauser to close out the year. Yeah. I mean, their goal is to close the year were Tokarski and Hauser the last, whatever few weeks that was. So that's not great. And there was no Eichel and they had traded Taylor Hall at some point in that stretch, they t- traded Taylor Hall. So this, this lineup, it's different in some ways. It's not that different. The main difference is no Reinhardt. So you're looking at this team that was almost 500 with even worse goaltending than they have now, because at least they have Anderson now. And I mean, how much worse did it get? It's just, it's just an almost 500 team without Reinhardt. I love, we love Reinhardt, but like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone else of value is here. Like there's some changes. Like we have uh Henestroza now we don't have reader. Someone else that's not here from last year's team that I probably don't need to c- commit brain space to remembering. John Cougar but- Mellencamp, AKA Stephen Fogarty. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was here, wasn't he? Well, there was one other forward, though, that we had, didn't we? Besides Breeder? Am I making this up? Wasn't there another guy? I don't even remember. I don't this know. not that long ago. We were just playing five months ago. They were still playing sure. in May. Yeah. <sighs> yep, I remember that was our goal song. Song two. Anyway, um, so, nice. yeah, good pull, right? That was real good. So, yeah, anyway, I don't care who the, whoever that forward was. I don't care about you. you. You don't get any space in my brain. But, yeah, so I just – I thought it was a weird way to look at it. It's like well, maybe under Kruger this would be worse than the tank team, but, like, Granado obviously unlocked some things with Middlestat. We'll get to in a second. With Cousin, well, Cousins had been playing well anyway. Darlene Skinner played better. So, anyway. I will say talk about this really middle hasn't – what's that? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Cousins, you know, again, early in the year, it'll take some time. He hasn't really fully impressed me yet, or at least, you know, I want to see more from him, I guess, is really where I'm at right now. And that's early on. But, you know, I guess for what the expectations I have for him are compared to what I've seen so far, it just hasn't been up to what I'd hope. Um, So that's going to be something really big over the next couple of weeks is just seeing how good of a start Cousins can really get off to because, while he does do he and he has this year so far done a lot of things well just in terms of you know his forecheck um you know he's done a good job he's had a couple of nice rushes to bring in the puck through the neutral zone and into the attacking zone um driving to the net but it's kind of similar to what we saw last year where i just need to see this guy have some finish and that's the case for a lot of the team and while it was plentiful against the Canadians, there was several missed opportunities 
on or in the Arizona game that they need to finish. Absolutely need to. Tage had a couple of really, really high danger opportunities that he just the one in particular where rather than one timing it, he like hesitated for just a second or like held the puck on his stick for a second right in front of the net and he just fired it wide. I uh, need an open net. And so, you know, but back to Cousins though, um, would just like to see him really like rack up some points this year. I mean, I, I don't think it's it's unfair for us to want him to hit the 40 point plateau. And not that I by any means don't think that he can do that. I think he he will and should do that. But that's just something I'm going to be keeping an eye out for is, is not only like the little things he's doing, but the guy has just got to start getting his name on the score sheet. And I think that that's the case for a few guys. I mean, Jeff Skinner is kind of the same thing where Skinner, it happened a lot last year where he was given poor deployments. Uh, we all have talked about at length, his relationship with Kruger and how Kruger handled him. Um, but he still made the most of that situation. But with that being said, even when Granado did take over too, you know, there's the guys just got to be able to finish and cousins is on his rookie deal. Skinner is getting paid 9 million. They're both very important to this offense. And to the engine of, of, you know, that eventually is going to allow this team to put points on the board and doing the, the little things is good, but I need you. I need to start scoring some goals here. So just something I'm going to be looking out for, for sure. Brendan. Riley no. Shayan. Riley Shane, how did I forget about that? I actually kind of liked him last year. I mean, oh my god, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, I guess he does get my brain space. I really he's shouldn't in remember Seattle, Steven. right? Maybe. I think he is. I do. Yeah, they've looked okay so far to start. So, before we get to anything else, uh, let's hear from our friends at DraftKings. So, football season still. Bills are playing tonight. If you're listening to this Monday night football against the Titans. And so football fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, of the NFL has you covered new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's even more than the last time I read this winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what do you got to do? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just $5 in any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So Taylor, to wrap up, why don't we talk about the very unfortunate two marquee injuries that had occurred in the season opener? Casey Middlestad and Henry Yokiharu. Middlestad had an upper body injury and is out for a couple of weeks. And Yokiharu, as we have now learned, has been placed on injured reserve, so he is seemingly going to be out for a bit here. Um, taking them both, you know, Middlestad and Yokiharu. What do these losses mean for the Sabers moving forward and for these guys individually? Well, it's super disappointing. On one hand, uh, Middlestad was awesome last year. 
finally came through, finally started looking like the kind of guy, not, not necessarily the kind of guy they drafted top 10, but an NHL player. And he would, would have been on pace in a full season for 44 points and 20 goals. And that's a start. I, I love to see him build on that. And unfortunately that will not be happening for a little while. This is really not a well-timed injury. Not that injuries are ever well-timed, but I really wanted to see if he was going to be able to continue what he was doing last year or if he was going to be able to continue to look like he belonged and he was going to have some kind of future. Now, on the other hand, Yoki Haru, that's even, that might even be tougher because with middle stat, I guess, are we, I don't know if, if we have a verification on this. Are we going to see R2 in the lineup? I mean, I believe he, he played against Arizona. Yeah. So, okay. So if we see him, then that's, at least we have a, a, a decent player on entering the lineup. I don't know. Yoki Haru, uh, that is kind of a, a loss. Uh, I don't, I mean, we'll see who, who Dowling eventually, he'll probably have a couple partners this year. We'll see how he, who he ends up playing best with, but yeah, I, I just, Yoki Haru is another one who looked really bad under Kruger and it kind of was not swept under the rug, but it didn't get as much attention because there's so many other guys. Like he openly hated Jeff Skinner. He was ruining Dowling and all this stuff. So I don't, I don't know. So Butcher's in now. Now, how he looked. Yeah, that's that's. I guess that's okay too. Maybe maybe I think both both replacements are fine. That's what I mean with this not being as bad as a tank team. Like they had R two Ritzelainen and Will Butcher in uh in the press box. Those are decent guys. Mm-hmm. I know that that meant that Cody Eakin was playing, but you know, but still. Either way, though, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm interested in uh. I guess how those two look, but yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate. Yoki, how are you someone that like, it's also someone that were like, what, what does this guy uh, mean for the future? Like, is, is he, do we keep him around long-term? What do we do with him? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I think we both have similarly, similarly excited to see Middlestat build on what he was doing. But on the other hand, R2 looked really good at the end of last year. And uh, well, I'm excited to, uh, to see what he brings now. For because sure. I, I thought he was going to be in the lineup to start the year. I do as well. And, you know, I had mentioned this on our season preview episode, but it's only, even though Eakin has looked good so far, it's only going to be a matter of time before that regression starts and we see the player that he really is. And if that coincides when Middlestad is ready to come back into the lineup, I would not be surprised at all to see Eakin being the one who's going to be put in the press box because I do think that there's a, a lot of value in having Roostalainen in the lineup. I mean, he has the potential to be a part of this team moving forward he's only 24 years old still and he has pro experience he's shown that he could play at the nhl level and also i mean even beyond that you just as a whole kind of need to see what you have with this guy and so i i wasn't too bent out of shape about him not playing the first game because you knew that he was going to end up getting a lot of action this year so i'm curious to see what how he's going to be able to build on that and, uh, you know, I, I will just say in the case of Yoki Haru, I think that it's becoming maybe more and more evident that he's not a top pairing guy. And so I think that's what also is unfortunate about the timing of this injury is that I, I'm very curious about seeing him away from Darlene and seeing what he can do on like the second pair. Um, and, you know, whether you continue to use Butcher in that role, um, I wouldn't mind seeing Pesic getting some time with Darlene. Um, I think either one of those two guys, I'm, I'm interested to see Darlene more with. So, you know, 
we'll see what ends up happening there, but definitely a big loss with Yoki Haru. And yeah, middle stat. I mean, this is big, you know, he's looked at as a hopeful major source of offense on this team. And I want to see him continue to play in a, in a big role for them. Um, you know, I think it was only, he got through what, like the second period before he ended up getting injured last game. And so we really didn't get a chance to see much of him, but Hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later because I want to see if he is able to take that step and and build upon last year and see if, you know, what we have here is is an actual consistent player who could conceivably maybe put up 40 or 50 points for you. So time will tell. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I'm curious, though, is there anything else that you wanted to jump into and, and chat about with regard to the start of the season? Boy, a lot of empty seats. Boy, oh boy, were there. Yeah, so there's the minor issue, and this is not, it matters like maybe 10 to 20% uh, that the Canadian border isn't really open, so a lot of people aren't coming. There's a much bigger issue <laughs> that this this team is uh, not really, I mean, the rebuilding. I don't hate that they're doing that, but it's it means no playoffs this year, like 100% guaranteed. It means there's a good chance there's no playoffs next year. It means the playoff drought will probably end up being at least 12 years. And maybe fans don't want to buy into that. Still expensive to go there. It's not a not a cheap date. So season tickets are obviously way down. I mean, there's there's things I never thought I'd see. Seven thousand, eight thousand seats. Nothing like that. It wasn't even like that during the tank years. It, it just nothing like how I'm. And you and I remember a time when every game sold out. Or I even remember I don't know, like 2011, 12. They weren't even good. I went there on a Friday night game against Dallas in 2012 that they won it was sold out that's friday obviously but i mean like, what, we're, it's, five it's crazy. Or six, we're five or six years removed from like fourteen thousand fans at a prospect scrimmage right you know and i think it was more than that i was there for that as well half of that now i mean yeah. i've been a, I, i've talked about this before i've been well, with previously i should say a season ticket holder my dad and uh and a friend of his had split season tickets pretty much since like around like 2000 so, you know, we're talking about like 20 years, not once ever has an opening night ever looked like that. No. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's opening night. Uh, that's insane. insane. It's not, it's not just some random game and man, it's, 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 it's really wild. Like there's games. I, I started to notice around the 2013, 14 season, the game started to be more empty, but that was like a lot of season ticket holders just not showing up. Um, in, non-Toronto games the past few years have definitely been more empty than they used to be, but this is just nothing like that. There's, there's, <laughs> it, it's insane. It looks like, I can't even say it looks like Florida. Florida games aren't like that. I mean, not that bad. That's. Uh, I think, rel- I think relative to like the fandom in the area, it's, it's bad. Like it, it's really bad. Like you, that, and that's why you can't even say like, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if like our overall numbers are stronger than Florida's if they weren't, I mean, that's even more sad, but just with how we know the fans can be here to see that this is where we're at right now. It's just sad. It really yeah. sucks. Like it was, it was depressing. Like, I mean, I was like kind of laughing at it, which, you know, how can you not like being in there and just looking around and it being that empty, but man, that sucks. Like it really is unfortunate that we're at this point now that you can't even get half the arena filled. 
It's, I think I, I get it though. I mean, I'm probably not going to go to a lot of games this year. Maybe I will for all give me $15 or whatever on sub. Oh, yeah. But I look at like, I look at what we just went through that the Eichel era is over, even though he's still technically a saber that the Briere jury era ended prematurely. It was like they were cup favorites or at least co-favorites. And then all of a sudden they were just some team again. And they only made the playoffs two out of five years. And then you had this couple bad years. They finally realized that they needed to rebuild. They tanked, they get Eichel to get Reinhardt. Bristol line is the door of are supposed to be something. They have a lot of prospects. They trade away the old core. They trade for Leonard. They trade for Kane. They trade for O'Reilly. And it's like, boom, this is a new era. And that era peaked the first year of the era with 81 points, less than a point a game, less than a point a game. That was their best year. After that, it was 78, 61. They trade O'Reilly. They trade Kane. And they have to reboot this era. Still trying to get it going. And now Reinhardt's gone. Ristolainen's gone. Eichel will be gone soon. He'll never play a game for the Sapers again. So I think a lot of uh, fans are looking at that. If you think I sounded too positive earlier, being nice to this team compared to the tank team, I'm not trying to be too positive. Just realistic about what the roster is. This franchise, it is not what it used to be. I'm not even saying that like, like things aren't as good as they used to be. That's obvious. It The place that it holds as a part of Western New York culture, whatever it used to be, it's not. Temporarily, maybe. Maybe it'll come back. Who knows? But it, it, it's not anywhere near as important to people in general. Like, people still watch. The sickos like us still watch. People still go to games. That's still 8,000 people or whatever at that game. What's wrong but, with us? Yeah, but it's really not the institution that it used to be. Not even and close. I, I don't know what they'd have to do to get it back. I mean, the Bills never really stopped being an institution. But I think the Bills never had a low point like this which some Bills fans might agree, disagree with that. Losing football games is always harder than losing hockey games because there's only 16 of them, whatever. One win could be so big. 2009 Monday night, I know. Yeah, we but I think... We're all sad. I, but I, I, this is, there's, no, there's no parallel to this in the Bills drought. I, well, and I think it's not fair to compare them to because with the Bills and, like, fandom, we're talking about 41 games at home versus eight games at home during the year. Yeah. And Bill's games are like an event for people, you know, like it's once a week, not even every week, you know, like when we're talking about home games. So you have eight weeks out of or eight games out of the year where you're able to see the team at home. And there's the tailgating aspect to it, too. It's consistently, you know, for the most part, like 90 percent of the time has been on a weekend on Sunday and it's easier to kind of make a day of it with with the Bills and, and getting excited about them. Um, whereas with the Sabres, yeah, I mean, you you have season ticket holders that you're not even able to sell your tickets for 20 bucks on StubHub because people don't want to pay for it because of how much it is, you know? And so I think it is difficult to, to compare the two, just given the, the nature of both of the sports and the more like event style of, of an NFL home game. Oh, for sure. And the bills had trouble selling out in the mid two thousands. People don't remember right. that. They had blacked out games multiple times. They had yep. have, have big push to get sellouts in like, say, let's go six or seven. I don't remember exactly, but there was definitely games that were blacked out. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, maybe even later than that, like whenever the NFL blackout rule went away, like, so this is like 2013, maybe 2012. I remember they having a blacked out game against Jacksonville, which is hilarious. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it's, 
it's really uh they were you're right i mean it is like the nfl is just a different animal but like i i mean in terms of what you have or where you are mentally with the team like nothing easy about a 17 year playoff drop but where's the low point that compares to this is it 2009 as a bill season that was also roughly the same amount of time into the drought as this maybe maybe 2009 counts as, as low of a low point as this i but mean worth- i would i will just say though I don't know this number off the top of my head, but again, I just always go back to the fact that this 10 year playoff drought is the fifth time in the history of the league that this has ever happened. And that prior to this drought of 10 years, the Sabres had not gone more than three years without making the playoffs in their entire history as an organization. They only uh, had that three year playoff drought because they had the uh, bankruptcy thing. Yep. That, that little thing <laughs> where our owners went to prison. Yeah, just so, a little, little oopsie. Yeah, because looking at Sabres history, they missed it their first two years. They missed it two years in a row in the mid-80s and get Pierre Turgeon out of it. And then they didn't miss twice in a row again until they missed three times in a row, like you mentioned, in the early 2000s. Now we're at 10. I don't love it. Love it. It's just great. Just great. Really awesome. Really great time to be a Buffalo Sabres fan. You know, I think they've only made Shout it out four to everybody listening before. right now. <laughs> I think they've only made it four times in the last 20 years. That's depressing. Wow. Yeah. I just thought obviously there's a lockout full season in there, but yeah, since that Pittsburgh series loss in the second round in 01, they missed it three years in a row. Like we just said, done yep. the lockout season, made it twice, missed it twice, made it twice again, and now missed it. Uh, let me get back to you on how many years in a row. So that's not great, but maybe we, maybe we can end on a positive note. The bills play today. If, when you're listening to this Monday, Damn right. So prediction, I want a beat down. I want blood. Me too. 42, 16. Oh, baby. Let's get it. 42, 16. Yeah. I don't respect the Titans. I don't respect I their defense. That. I don't respect Ryan Tannehill. I do respect Derrick Henry, but I don't respect running the ball as your primary source of offense in 2021. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, unless you can do it in the kind of like the way the Ravens do it, where you never know what's coming. Right. I don't know. I'll go 28-13 Bills. That'd be good. I mean, I'd settle for that, but I want, you know, a little bit more. Anyway, I said two weeks ago on here that the Titans have the worst sports tailor. They do. He's one of the worst tailors, period. Taylor Lewin. I forgot to say why during that episode, though, other than everything else and being a jackass and whatever. So this is a, uh, a report that came out uh, when he was in college, I think. Um, so he went to Michigan. Michigan kicker Brandon Gibbons uh, was accused of sexually assaulting a woman. And Lewin told a friend of that woman that she better not press charges or quote, I'm going to rape her because Gibbons didn't. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Seriously. And he, so this never comes up. It's not on his Wikipedia or anything. He wasn't arrested, but he was talked to by police. Um, he's a, uh, there's a couple other things he's been, he was investigated for like, but that was like a fan and he like hit a fan or whatever. That's not that as big of a deal, I guess. But yeah, that's, um, bad. I mean, it's really insanely terrible thing to say vile 
Yeah, he's a really awful guy. All right, yeah, put up 40 on him. That's right, and we need to see – well, I remember a couple of years ago when we beat the Titans, Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, like, whooped his ass Abused all day. Him. Yeah, unfortunately, they're no longer with us, but, you know, let's see maybe what Rousseau, Jerry Hughes, some of our other friends can do. Our good friend Greg Rousseau. Big Sabres fan. Big Sabres fan. Oh, yeah. He loves our podcast. <laughs> of course he does. All right. Well, any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day, Taylor? Um, hmm. I guess just go Bills. Go Bills indeed. Random straight, uh, random Sabres player of the episode. Who you got? Riley Shan. Nice. I'll go Paul Gostad. All right. The Goose. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on their respective websites as well as on your streaming platform of choice and checking out all of the great shows that they're putting out. Also, with regard to the Charging Buffalo, they just started a new newsletter, so make sure you're going to their social media pages or their website to find out how you can subscribe to that. Really cool, informative stuff that we highly, highly recommend you go and subscribe to. Also, make sure, as Taylor had said before, you're using promo code THPN at checkout for DraftKings for any of your sports betting needs or desires for the upcoming week. Also, Finally, make sure you're following us on social media too. Straight Sabres on Twitter, Straight Up Sabres on Facebook and Instagram, and make sure you are subscribed or following this podcast on whatever streaming platform you're using to listen to the show right now. We'll be back with a new episode on Thursday, everybody. Have a great start to your week. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Straight Up Sabres.